really trying to imbue our modern dating culture with a sense of respect, patience, going slowly, you know, dating for marriage or dating for a long-term relationship rather than for situationships. Welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We have a good episode today, a male perspective on dating. Yeah, actually, when was the last time we had a guy on? I feel like it was a long time ago. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> but yeah, it's good to get a male perspective. So we have Kevin Nahai. He's a therapist, a speaker, a dating coach. Yeah, coach. He's he talks yeah. about how like dating is what people always want to hear him speak about. Always interested in. He gets lots of clients to help them with their dating life. His demo is like like similar to ours, like late twenties to early forties. So everyone's just out here trying to figure out dating. Yeah, and so we initially had him on because we can. Well, we connected with him over Instagram because he would comment on our posts, and he commented on one specifically that was things that you should do before defining the relationship. And like he agreed with most of them, but he strongly disagreed with, I believe what we had, and we say in the episode, we'll talk about it more, but I think it said, talk about sex and have it if you want to, which is like very, yeah. I think our perspective is always very yes. relaxed and open to like different people have different relationships and different things work for different people. But he believes that it is a quote, terrible idea to sleep with someone before you're in a relationship. And Mia and I completely yeah, disagree. But <laughs> I, we were just talking about this before clicking record in that like, he says that it's a terrible idea. But then when you talk to him about it, he explained, you know, he recommends sleeping with someone like once you know that you're not like once you know, there's a relationship there, once you know each other like each other, once you know, maybe there's not anyone else in the picture, which I think we say, of course, like do anything that makes you feel comfortable to your boundary that you're setting. And I I said I would disagree with that because I do think sex is important for me personally. I've always wanted to have that experience before, like committing to somebody. I think it's always like when you know, or for me, I always did feel comfortable when I knew the other person wasn't sleeping with other people, or I, I knew that we liked each other the same amount. So it's different for everyone. And it's whatever is comfortable for you. And you can easily get lost in the semantics of don't do this until this, but it really is everyone's unique experience and what you feel most comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I would, I would say that Pretty much anyone who is dating to have a relationship, who wants a relationship, is going to agree that, yeah, you want the person that you're sleeping with to not be sleeping with anybody else. Like, obviously. Right. But I feel like it's the cut and dryness of having to be in a relationship. To me, that's like someone's your boyfriend, someone's your girlfriend, whatever it is. Like, And to wait for that to have sex is, to me, outrageous. I feel like that's just so weird because that takes like a long time to get to that step. And then that whole time, you're just not going to be sleeping with them. I just feel like it's kind of like, it just feels like a game. And even as he was explaining it, he like caught himself sounding like a game right I feel like he was like right. I'm not, not yeah. that it's a game and I'm like but it kind of sounds like it is because that's what you're saying right so that was the biggest part that I like definitely disagreed with him on but a lot of what he said was like he did say a few things that like even shifted my mindset that like I was like if I was out there dating right mm -hmm. now like oh I might think about things like a little bit differently I said this even in the episode like I we talk most of the people we talk to on here and like our perspective is from two females who have dated before. So like, right. I don't have a ton of insights into 
how a guy dates until like talking to guys like more recently and learning that. And so like hearing things from him, I'm sure people will be surprised to hear like, oh, guys, think about that. Yes, it was very much it was a very good mindset shift. I think he he's very well spoken. I think we had a really positive. It was a really positive conversation. I think anyone who listens will have like a very refreshed view of like getting out there and dating and just feeling really confident in themselves and what they want and what they're looking for. So I really did enjoy the conversation and I think we agreed and disagreed and met at a middle ground and there's something for everyone. Yeah, there definitely is. And it was fun. Yeah, it was a fun conversation. I've been traveling a lot and you've had other things happening and we've both been like really busy. So we haven't had to have been able to have like a longer intro where we catch up on things or answer listener questions or things like that. So we have so many good topics to talk about in our next solo episode. Yes, definitely. And we are both micless for this intro. So apologies for the sound, but Carly's in Tulum. And yes, I've been kind of traveling back and forth this week, a lot going on, which we will talk more about in our next week intro. And I can't wait to do a solo because the questions we got in our question box last week really sparked really good topics. I'm excited to dive deeper into. Yeah, we were texting about it. There are so many good topics in there. So we'll do a solo again soon. We're going on a trip together soon. Yeah. We'll have lots of time to go deeper into some of this stuff, but we can just keep this one short. We hope you love the episode with Kevin. Honestly, he says in the episode too, he has like a very high success rate with the clients he works with. So if you're somebody that like some of this stuff makes you start to think about your dating approach or you feel like you want to like work on yourself, we talk a lot about that, how you kind of need to do some work on yourself before you're able to find the right person. So yeah, reach out to him if you want to follow him on Instagram, but let us know what you think. Yes. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon. Welcome back. We have been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. I think it's going to be a really good one. We are joined today by therapist, coach, and speaker. He's going to talk to us all about his dating perspective. So welcome to Mostly Balanced, Kevin Nahai. Thank you so much, Mia. Thank you, Carly, for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. We are too. Can you tell everybody listening a little bit more about you? So we always like to start with where you're from, where you live, and then just like a little bit more about what you do. Absolutely. Um, I am from Los Angeles, California. I live in Los Angeles, California. I've been told I'm a bit of a unicorn because apparently there aren't a lot of people who are actually from LA, but I'm one of them. And I have a private practice where I do therapy and coaching with people. I work on all sorts of issues, anxiety, depression, life transitions, but my practice is heavily slated toward dating, relationships, marriage, couples counseling, etc. And then I write for different publications and I speak at businesses, conferences, schools, etc. and lecture about different things in the mental health space. I love that. You're very busy. <laughs> of course, we love to focus on dating and relationships and that's what we'll chat about today. That's the only thing people ever want to listen to anyway. Right? It's like if I'm giving a talk about anxiety, everyone's like looking at their phones. <laughs> you know, they start talking about, you know, so what do you do on this date? That's like when everybody's yeah. ears perk up. Yeah. So how did you shape some of your dating perspective and the advice that you're giving? What was a big impact for you? Was it your own dating history? Was it just observing modern dating culture? Like what external factors kind of impacted your view and your advice? This is a great question. Um, actually, no one's ever asked me that question before. And um, an interesting thing is that I am 
now a rather traditional and conservative dater. You know, I'm, I'm very chivalrous and I don't believe chivalry is dead. And I'm really trying to imbue our modern dating culture with a sense of respect, patience, going slowly, you know, dating for marriage or dating for a long-term relationship rather than for situationships. Those are some essential tenets of my dating approach now. However, I used to be kind of the polar opposite. When I was in my early 20s, I was all about like, you know, free sex and free love and, you know, do whatever you want and date whoever you want and just sort of like hedonism and and self-expression and and sexual liberation and, you know, I don't think that either side of the spectrum is right or wrong from a moral perspective, but the reason that I sort of shifted my view is that as I got deeper and deeper into the world of psychology and into therapy and into coaching, I started to notice that there are certain things that work really well and are very conducive to having long-term, happy, healthy relationships, and there are certain things that are not conducive to that. And I learned that a lot of my views and practices from my earlier 20s were leaving me feeling hollowed out emotionally. They were not yielding success in terms of who I was picking and the depth and quality of my relationships with them. We can get into some of those specifics you know, as, as we talk more. But the point is that basically like I started studying like clinical literature on what makes relationships last and what makes people happy and how did they meet their partners and how did they handle themselves during the first year. And I sort of learned like, this is information coming from people who are way smarter than me, who have had way more relationships with me. So let me try to shift my approach a little bit. And it's worked incredibly well. And I'm also proud to say that over the last three years, I have worked with 92 people who were single when they came to me and are now either married, engaged, or in a long-term relationship. So it's, it's, it's really working, at least in my little corner of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a typical demographic of people that you work with? For for dating and relationship stuff, yes, it's very typical. It's usually uh, men and women between the ages of 28 and 42. And, and it's usually, you know, single people who have been dating since their mid 20s, and are feeling, you know, frustrated, burnt out, confused, um, and then, you know, when I work with couples, it, it runs the gamut of like their age and demographic mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's very aligned with our listeners and the demo that we have. And a lot of the questions that we get, I'm sure this conversation is going to be very relevant for them. I also just want to ask quickly, because I'm just curious. So you mentioned that through dating mistakes or the approach you had in your early twenties, you were attracting or dating people that were like not the right people. And I'm curious just because we're two straight females and we have a lot of females come on the podcast. So I kind of know what like the wrong guy, quote unquote means, but like, what is the wrong girl? Like what were the wrong, what were some qualities of these people that weren't Mm -hmm. right for you that you were attracting? Um, They were people who did not align with my personal value set and how Can you attract someone who aligns with your personal value set if you haven't Mm. cultivated Mm -hmm. your personal value set? If I ask you, Carly, what are your values and you want to be a smart dater, you should be able to take out this post-it right here and write down five to 10 things that are essential for the way you want to live your life, right? 
five to 10 tenets or codes or principles that you think are really important for a life well lived. And I hadn't taken the time, maybe I wasn't old enough, maybe I wasn't mature enough to do that. Now at the age of 30, I can do that in a heartbeat. And somebody who's a good match for me is not someone who is tall or short or blonde or brunette or, you know, from a certain background or whatever. It's somebody who has the same values and it's somebody who has a similar lifestyle. Now, obviously, I have to be attracted to them. I have to like their personality. You know, mm-hmm. th- that stuff is is obvious. But usually we think that compatibility and what makes two people a good match is like how much they have in common or how much chemistry they have or how many of the same friends they share. But those things do not make people compatible. They do not make people a good match for each other in the long run. Those are nice added benefits. But what really... If you're you're attracting the right person, if they see the world in the same way, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I think that we agree with so much of that and dating intentionally and dating mindfully and really like doing a lot of inner work yourself before you put yourself out there and seek your match. And I think once you do have that checked off, that type of mindfulness doesn't end because that translates into how you're approaching dating, how your early interactions are, where you're looking for people, how you're starting a relationship. And I know you speak a lot about about those early dates and you have some opinions on how to bring that intention into the early dating. So I'd love to hear a little bit, maybe your your elevator pitch of what your early dating advice is. Mm. Well, um, my early, I, I guess... I'm being put on the spot here with the elevator pitch, so it probably won't be only 20 seconds long. <laughs> but yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said that you know successful dating really uh, is contingent upon self work and self awareness and looking within yourself. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that we make in our dating lives is identifying all of the qualities that we would like in another person before really knowing ourselves and what's going to work for us and what's not, right? So I think step one, it's actually a step zero, right? Before you get into early dating, step zero is you have to know yourself. Then step one, I think, is to go in, go into dating, knowing what your intention is, right? Is your intention to hook up with someone? Is your intention to just have a friends with benefits? Or is your intention to have a long-term relationship or lead to marriage? And there should be no shame with any of those things, especially with having a long-term relationship. A lot of people don't want to say that they're looking for a long-term relationship because they think that that's like too much or that makes them or whatever. And that's not true. And then I think the next step in the early dating phase that's so important is to lead with the question, what can I give, not what can I receive? Because what we're trying to do on the first three dates is we're trying to suss out, what's this person going to do for me? What, what, what can they give me? Do they have the lifestyle I like? Do they have the car that I like? Do they treat me well? All of this stuff is me, 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 right? And to a certain extent, when you don't know someone, yeah, you need to suss them out and you need to figure out if they're going to be a good match for you. But the problem is that when you're going into an early dating scenario, trying to figure out what someone can do for you rather than if you would like to do things for them, then you give all your power away. 
because now all the power is in the other person's hands. And if they don't do something for you, then you feel rejected. So when I go on a first date or a third date, the question I ask myself is not, what is this girl going to do for me? The question I ask myself is, do I like this person enough that I would like to give to them? Do I like this person enough that I want to invest in them? Can I see this being a girl who I call and I'm like, you're going to do so amazing on your job interview today. I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. Right now, the power is in my own hands because I'm not sitting there thinking, hmm, is she going to make a good wife? <laughs> that question comes later. But we should always lead with giving rather than with receiving so that we can maintain some of our own agency. And so that we're not just waiting to see if the other person, like if the other shoe is going to drop. Yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I always say you're going to be so much more successful in dating if you go into it more mindful. Of, I mean, you have to be mindful of the things that you want, but like be mindful of the things that you bring and what you want to bring and the person you want to bring that to. And I've actually never heard it framed that way. Is this somebody that I want to do these things for? I could see that being a huge mindset shift for a lot of people, but one that's like going to really help your dating experience because you won't waste time on people that you don't even like. Yeah. When I ask my clients like, okay, so what were the things you were looking for? Like on these first couple of dates, everything they say comes back to themselves. I'm trying to figure out like, was he funny? You know, what, is he a good caretaker? Does he have a good job? Like, does he like me? What, <laughs> yeah. Does he like me? Yeah, exactly. Did I, you know, what did he, how did he think I looked like all of this stuff? That's all about what you can receive, which again, it's important. It has to be a give and take. I'm not suggesting that you should just be a giver and not receive anything in return. But what if you went into the date thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm going to go see if I, you know, a year from now, this is the person who I want to be their cheerleader, right? I'm going to see if like, this is someone who mm. I, we can be on a team and I can support them and, and, and I can give to them and make them feel like proud and fulfilled. Because if the answer to that is no, then you haven't lost anything. It's like, okay, great. No, I, I wasn't, I'm not really like, I don't really care about him or her enough to do that. But if you're waiting to see if they're going to give you something and then they don't give you something, then you walk away feeling disappointed and walking away from dates, feeling disappointed or dejected, or like it was mediocre, by the way, is like the number one cause of dating burnout. Mm -hmm, you know? yeah. And dating burnout is a real problem because it, it takes away people's hope that they are going to find something. And then when you lose your hope that you're going to find something, you just waste your time or you kind of isolate or you return back to like, that ex who you used to hook up with when you were 22 mm -hmm. and, and it just, you know, the whole thing. Are you in a relationship now? I'm not in a relationship, but I am newly dating someone. Oh, how new? Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> like two, two or three weeks. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. So hopefully by the time this podcast is released, it, it, it will uh, still be going on. <laughs> well, we're releasing on Monday. So I hope you guys have a few days left. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got, we got 72 hours before I get back. Yeah, I love what you said about just taking the power back. And I think dating is a really hard thing for people. It's nerve wracking. Your insecurities bubble up. I think there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of expectations. It's a negative experience. And I love the taking the power back in terms of deciding like, this is just a person I'm going out to see if, do I like them? Or is this someone who has the 
all of those qualities we said that I want to give to you. And it, it take, it can take the nerves out of an early date and all of these like dating rules. I feel take the power all away from women because there's so many rules and guidance out there to be so passive, let the other person come to you. And like, how does that make you feel if you're just sitting back and your validation is dependent on someone texting you, initiating with you, and that determines is there going to be a second date? Mm-hmm. And it's, it really can feel defeating and take the power away from you and leave you feeling so insecure. Yeah, I once went on on this podcast and the the title of the podcast is like the myth of being needy or the myth of neediness or something. I can't remember. You can type my name, you can type yeah. in my name and the myth of, of being needy. And um, I think one of the questions that the woman asked me was like, what do you tell your female clients when they like a guy and they want to text him? I was like, what do you mean? Pick up your phone and, and you text him. They're like, but, and she said, but what, but what if that makes the guy's going to think that she's needy, right? And the truth is that you are only needy to a person who is incapable of meeting your needs. Mm, if yeah. A guy, wow. <laughs> if a guy thinks that you're needy or that it's aggressive or it's unattractive or it's emasculating or whatever, that you're texting him, which guys, by the way, when they like you, they don't think that. Right. They are really excited when you're texting them because it's like, oh, finally, I don't have to do everything by myself, right? But this is just another one of those myths. You know, it's like there are all of these rules that they, they you're right, Mia, they really defeat people. And, you know, they, they don't give them a sense of agency over their own lives. Whereas if I told you, yeah, if you like a guy, text him. And what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is that he'll dump you. And that's okay. That if you if he was gonna dump you now, he was gonna dump you in a month from now. You know, at least you know sooner rather than later. I think the worst thing that could happen is that he ghosts you and doesn't even dump you at all. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> but I do want to circle back to your approach in mindful dating and stating your intentions early on. Oh, yeah, sorry. You did start to talk about it, but I want to know more about like how you actually do that. So for example, like this person that you're dating now, have you already stated that your intention of like dating to marry, if that is your intention, or like how do you have those conversations early on? Or should you even? Yeah, it doesn't always have to be on the first date. I don't have a prescription of when it needs to be, but it naturally came up in the first conversation. She actually asked me, have you ever had a long-term relationship? Which I thought was a mature question. On the date or before the date? She asked me on the date, on the first date. Yeah, I thought it was a mature question. And I'm not like, oh, why would you ask that on the first date? That's so weird. You know, who gives a beep, you know? like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know if you can curse on the podcast. You can. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Like, if if I'm going to end up getting close to this person, it doesn't matter if they ask me now or in a month from now. Like, we're 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 developing a, a connection here. So she asked me, "Have you ever been in a long term relationship?" I said, "Yes." We I asked her the same thing. She told me a little bit about her history. It came up naturally, and then uh, I I asked, "So what are you looking for? You know, what are you dating for?" And I just asked it in a very open-minded way with a very open heart, you know, ready to, to listen to whatever the answer is. And she said, yep, I'm, uh, I'm looking for, I'm dating for marriage, which again, I thought that was very mature. She's not afraid to say it. She, she's self-assured enough that she doesn't have to tiptoe around that. She yeah. asked me the same thing. And I, and I said the same. I don't know why, like, why would you tiptoe around that? It's like, it's, I think it's going back to like women feeling like they're being needy if they say they want marriage. Like, why is marriage like this scary thing to bring up? Like it, a, a lifelong partnership is something I do think it's not 
crazy to tell someone I'm on this date with another person because I'm looking for some sort of end game that is a partnership. And I think that maybe the people that are turned off and scared of that are the ones that aren't looking for the same thing. Well, I've been turned off and scared by it a thousand percent. And <laughs> all that means is that that wasn't the right person for me or like that I needed to do some more work to figure out what I wanted. So like if you're out on a date with somebody who is turned off or like thrown off by that, especially like a simple question of like, have you been in a long term relationship? I think that's a great way to like test the waters and lead into that conversation. Mm-hmm. But in the past, when that question has been like, well, that's a lot for a first date, it just means that that person probably isn't right for me or I'm not right for that person. So I don't think there's any harm. You're not going to ruin the right potential relationship by asking something like that on a first date, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a great point. And I really like that you took ownership and said there are some cases where I wasn't ready to hear that situate that question or I maybe I wasn't like mindful enough. You know, the thing with like these rules, you know, don't ask this on the first date. Don't text when you get home. Don't whatever the, you know, make sure you do this. These rules tend to go out the window when you meet the right person. Yeah. We say this all the time. Oh, you do. Okay. So like Mm -hmm. I've abide, I mean, there are some general guidelines that I believe in very strongly. Most of them happen to be around sex and like when you get intimate and stuff like that, because you know, it's, it's just very obvious. But even with those, there's always a caveat which is with the right person, everything that you think you've been, you know, everything you've been told to do and all the restrictions that you've been told to follow and stuff like that may not apply when the connection feels right and things are are going naturally. So like you said, Carly, I could have been on a date and a girl could have asked me, you know, so what are you looking for? And I would find it strange. I'd be like, mm. whoa, girl, mm-hmm. I don't even know you. But <laughs> It happened to be that on this date, we felt very comfortable with each other and the conversation was flowing. And I also just want to say, Mia, to your point, it's not only like women feeling scared not to ask that. My guy friends will say all the time, like, dude, if you say you're you're wanting marriage, she's going to think that you're weird. She's going to think you're not desirable. She's going to think that, you know, you don't have any options. Like you got to play it cool. You have to act like you don't know. And uh I have some I have some thoughts about that but since you guys are both young single girls tell me I'm married what would you think what what would you think if a guy said on a date that he's looking for marriage Well I think you don't have to say I'm look I don't I feel like people get scared like oh my god that means he wants to marry me like I think you could be very upfront like my intention of dating is to get married like I'd like to get married one day mm-hmm. and you wouldn't think that's weird I don't know because I I've been in a long relationship and like been kind of out of the modern oh. dating game but I think now with like all of what I know and how I have changed my mindset of dating with intention I would like to think that that is something I would want on an early relationship. Maybe when I was in my 20s I'd be like yeah. I don't know because I was attracted to like the unavailable type. So I think it's so much is a reflection of what of you and your own mindset. Yes. Well, I have very avoidant tendencies in dating. And I also I wouldn't think that was weird. I might be like scared off by it. But I wouldn't think it was weird of him to say I would like almost be happy that I knew that early on. And like, at this point, when I have done like so much more work on myself, and even just the conversations we have on this podcast, like now I like want to hear that because that's what I'm dating for also. So I feel like if you're dating someone Mm. who's like evolved enough or mature enough for a long term relationship, then they won't be turned off or scared by that. I've only recently started realizing that like men do have a lot of these same thought processes as women and we just don't realize it. Oh, yeah. I feel like you have to take some things with a grain of salt too, like, because they are also thinking about all the same things. Like somebody might not be asking you 
what you want or like bringing up exclusivity because they don't want to seem like clingy or weird or like too much. That's why we wholeheartedly disagree with if he wanted to, he would. I just feel like that's not Mm -hmm. true. There's so many other things that go into it. Or like if you're confused, they're not interested. I don't agree with that either. I think if you're confused, you need to communicate and ask about it. You don't have to just like assume that that means the person isn't interested. We could go down on a whole other tangent about that. But you did reference the reason that you're here, which is because you disagreed with us (laughs) on a post that we we put up a post that was, I think, what was it? Oh, 12 things to do. Things to do before defining the relationship. I didn't disagree with the post. (laughs) No, you said it was pretty good. So high praise. Pretty good. good, (laughs) But you definitely disagreed with having sex before defining the relationship. So tell us why. Okay. To your previous point, to the ladies listening. Men are just as insecure as you are. doesn't matter how cool they play it off. They have all the same worries. They have all the same fears. And most of them actually want to get married and settle down and have a nice life and be nice to you. So I promise it's not just mm-hmm. the women who are like insecure and afraid and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But anyway, you guys posted a bunch of things to do defining the relationship. I thought they were great. Uh, one of the posts said... Talk about sex and even have it if you like. Yeah. Right? Is that what it said? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So as I said a few minutes ago, there's there's always a caveat. There's always a monopoly. I know that everyone listening to this is going to be like, well, I have one friend who slept with her husband on the first date. Mm-hmm. And now look at them. They have a white picket fence. Yeah. All right. You have to assume that you're not that person. You, you have to play to the odds. And statistically speaking, most of the time when people rush into sex, because there is no emotional glue that is holding the relationship, because you haven't built the bond over time, the relationship tends to fall apart sooner rather than it would. And usually one of a few things happens. Either somebody has sex and then they lose interest, or they have sex and they lose respect for the other person. Or, as I said, because they haven't spent the time getting to know the person, they don't know how wonderful the person is. And they already got the sex, which is sort of like the pinnacle. It's like the closest you can be to someone emotionally and spiritually and physically. But you haven't seen all of the sides of that person. So the sex is kind of a false representation Mm. of who they are. And then we make decisions thinking that we know everything about the person. So sex is very powerful for connecting to people, but it's also very powerful for destroying a promising would-be relationship if it is not sort of used or like applied correctly. Like it's a very powerful tool. And we tend to treat sex with a very willy nilly attitude. We treat it like a cheeseburger. It's like <laughs> my, my trainer has had me on a diet of chicken and rice for a week. And once a week I need a cheeseburger cause I need a cheat meal, right? Like people have needs is something that I hear all the time. Sex is not a cheeseburger. It's, it's nothing close. Right? Mm. <laughs> and the term casual sex Believe me, I've had a lot of it, you know, in in my younger years. So I'm not trying to sound like holier than thou. But the term casual sex is a contradiction in terms. There's nothing casual about it, no matter how much we want to pretend 
like it is. So if your goal is to be in a long-term relationship, and if you can be disciplined enough to wait to get physical, you are setting yourself up for the best chance of success. And as I said, a lot of these rules go out the window when you meet that soul connection. There are always caveats. There are always exceptions. But just playing to the odds, um, I can't tell you how many times I have seen an otherwise promising relationship be destroyed by rushing into physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with you. I totally understand like sex scientifically alters your emotions and your feelings and can definitely cloud judgment and affect the outcome of a relationship. And I do think if you're refraining from it, like what I always like, and Carly and I, I think agree on this in that refraining from having sex is your personal boundary. Like it will, I feel confident with the outcome of this relationship, knowing that I slept with someone. And if you want to hold off, I feel that is, you know, it's a boundary for yourself, not necessarily like a rule, which I think you're also saying. But I do think like me personally, I found that have a sexual relationship with someone before like commitment. And I don't mean necessarily exclusivity, but like you're my boyfriend, I'm your girlfriend has been important to me in my relationships in the past. But I don't know, I feel like I'm just kind of talking out loud. I'm airing my thoughts. I'm as I I like, I don't know. I don't say rigid with an opinion. Like I'm always down to hear what other people say. And I agree with a lot of it. Is it important to you to, to explore your sexual compatibility with someone before you commit to them so that you can know what it's going to be like? Yeah. Is that what you're referencing or were you talking about something else? No, that and making sure you have a physical attraction and physical connection in that way. Know what it's like. So look, my advice, quote unquote, is wait till you're exclusive. You don't have to wait until you're actually in a relationship and your boyfriend, girlfriend or boyfriend, boyfriend or whatever. But I do think that if you can wait until you are exclusive, which is some display of commitment, it's some display that, hey, we're on the same page about where this is leading, then that's better than just, you know, it's second date. We both had a few too many margaritas, <laughs> you know, and, and let's just hit it because we want to. It might just be semantics in the way we think about it, because I also I don't think I would sleep with someone unless we'd been on several dates. And I kind of got the understanding, although you should never assume, but like that we were kind of only dating the same mm-hmm. dating each other. OK, I do kind of like side with Mia on the fact that I feel like that's something that's necessary for me to do. But if somebody was just listening and they heard your explanation about sex and how it can like cloud your judgment and change things and end up destroying a relationship if you're not ready for it. If somebody is like, okay, like I need to reframe my mindset and maybe try that approach. Do you recommend that they like talk to the person they're dating about it and tell them that they're waiting? Or is it kind of like you like hold off until or is this something that you like will verbalize? Hey, I like to wait to have sex until we're in a relationship. What is the conversation like? A hundred percent verbalize it. There's there's no area of a relationship that benefits from not communicating. Mm-hmm. We agree. Right? If it involves you and the other person, communicate about it. And all you have to do is say, hey, um, you know, I'm a person who likes to wait a little while before I get physically intimate. It just helps me feel safe. Um, or, you know, I'm trying to be really intentional about like who I'm choosing. 
even if that wasn't the way you were in the past, you can say like, this is something that, you know, I want to, I want to try and something that that's, that makes me feel safe. And do you feel comfortable with that? And I hate to say this, but it's true. It is the fastest way to weed out a guy. It, it will weed guys out so fast. It'll make your head spin. You say to a guy you like, if you want to, I mean, even do it as a test. Well, I don't know. Don't, don't test me if you don't need it. Don't play oh, a you're game. Playing Sorry. A game. I, I don't, if you're if you're serious about a guy and you want to know if he's serious about you, try this. Wait to have sex with him and tell him you're gonna to wait to have sex with him. If he's it almost serious, makes me nervous that then they'll just be like see, viewing it as like a game, like, okay, I gotta ha- get her to have sex with me, and then like that's it. Like I feel like if you make it into that, it like gives that sort of vibe. Well, that's that's why I, I regret what I said. I'm not trying to gamify it. Right. I'm not, I'm not suggesting if you don't actually intend to hold yeah, your boundary, some people, you know, yeah. then don't say it, but it, you know, it, it will, there are a lot of guys who can't hang with that. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of girls who can't hang with that. There are a lot of girls who are like, no, I want to know if we're compatible and I want to know now, right. you know, and, and that's okay. But if you want to know if somebody is really here to like learn about your mind and your history and how you operate and what makes you tick and stuff like that, then wait to have sex with them. And that will tell you if they are down to hang out. Yeah. Mm. You know, are they going to stick around? Yeah, I think it's a good approach. And if a guy leaves, then it wasn't the right match for you. So I think it's one of those situations where you kind of like an answer is your answer and you can't go wrong. I want to ask quickly before we wrap up about your perspective about dating multiple people at once, because we've heard you talk about this before. So to my understanding, you don't believe in dating more than one person at once. And I actually like your explanation for why. So I'd love for you to explain why. And then I'd also love to hear like, if that means that you would also need the other person to be doing that too, or like what, how you would approach that if the other person wasn't ready to take that step. Sure. So the reason I suggest dating one person at a time is because of a concept in psychology called the paradox of choice, which nobody is immune to. And it basically explains that the more choices a human being has at any one given time, the less they appreciate and enjoy and respect any of the choices that are in front of them. So if you go into a supermarket and there are 40 types of mustard, first of all, it's very overwhelming. Secondly, whichever one you buy, you're going to be comparing it to all of the others and you're going to have buyer's remorse. But if you go into the supermarket and there are three types of mustard, you know the type of mustard that you like. And one of the problems with our modern dating society is that with the advent of Facebook, dating apps, DM sliding, all of this stuff, we have made people's choices unlimited. Now, we think that that's a good thing because it opens up our horizons so much. And yes, you can connect with people who would never come across your path, but it also can really overwhelm us and it can also do this paradox of choice thing. So if you can date one person at a time, even if they're not doing the same thing, it will just simplify your dating process and it will allow you to really focus on whether this person is right for you or not without having to compare them to the other people in your purview. Mm -hmm. And I also just want to state that it's not like every time you go on a first date, you're pretending that that person is your husband or wife. Mm -hmm. I have a three date rule. The three date rule is that you have up to three dates to decide if you want to focus on dating someone or not. 
So let's say you're dating three different people right now, like three different guys have have messaged you on the apps, go on up to three dates with each of them. Mm -hmm. But after going on two or three dates with each of them, you should be able to make a decision that one of them stands out, right? And if not, then it just means that you're probably not into any of them. Right. I think that's very sound advice and like totally understand and relate to the decision paralysis. I think just we as people, there's a million options. We have to read a million reviews of everything before buying something. There's <laughs> like, I, I get so overwhelmed with decision. And I think that three dates, we always say like one date, great type of like screener first impression. But I think we both always say, give it a second. And then yeah. by date three, you should 100% know if this is someone you want to see again for date four. And if you don't, that's most likely a no. So I like the yeah. advice. Yeah. The, the other thing is speaking of like our grandparents' generation a moment ago, we, you know, our generation got, we got shafted because the advice that we got was figure out your life, figure out your career, figure out your finances, then get a partner. And that has not worked in our favor. Yeah. The advice that our grandparents got was focus on one person at a time, date them, get married when you're young, build your lives together. Now that comes with its own set of challenges, right? A lot of people probably had kids and got married before they were emotionally ready to do so. And, and I, I give credence to that. But, you know, I just think that we have to maximize across all categories and we have to make sure that the person we're choosing is like perfect for us. And we have to make sure that our lives are in perfect working order before you commit to someone. And until that time, you're going to date 12 different people. It's just not serving us. You know, if it were serving us, then you guys wouldn't have the audience that you have. You yeah. Know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, a happy medium there. Absolutely. Between those two options you just gave. Of course. Of yeah. course. Unfortunately, we have to wrap up. So can you leave our listeners with one piece of advice, maybe advice that you would give to your younger self specifically? Yeah. Develop your personal value set and then act within it. Mm -hmm. And it's all about self-respect. Now, the, the number one issue I see in the modern dating world is people not respecting themselves. And 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 the the biggest way that we disrespect ourselves is that we do and say and think things that are out of character with like who we actually want to be. Mm. So, you know, whatever you're doing and saying in your dating life, just ask yourself, would I teach my teenage daughter or son that this is what they should do? And if yeah. the answer is no, then it means you're not respecting yourself and you have to just adjust a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell everybody how to find you, work with you, be it one was. of your success stories? Yes. Please be one of my success stories. I love that. <laughs> um, my website is my name, com, And my Instagram where you can see more of my content is also my name, Kevin Nahai. And uh, anybody who, who reaches out, I'm happy to give you a consultation at, at no charge and, and uh, connect with any of your listeners. I love that. Thank you so much, Kevin. This was such a great conversation. We know our listeners will love it. Everyone eats up this content. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Have an amazing night.